So essentially what you've done is you've put two players who don't know how to defend against wingers out defending against wingers, and you've left Kamara to defend against three Arsenal attacking midfielders. <laughs> it's fucking insanity. And he's tried this before. He tried it whenever he first got the job. It doesn't fucking work. This is Paul McGrath. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. That morning sky gave me a look. So I left while you were sleeping. That's all it took. Let me get this straight. If I go through Aston Villa's season to date, Bournemouth, we got one minute and 55 seconds of a bit of new season optimism. <laughs> Everton, now the first goal doesn't count because we were playing Frank Lampard's Everton, but then when Medea looked to have finished the game off, you know, we had that bit of that bit of hope and maybe we are sort of moving on to another level, maybe we are better than, than this riffraff that is Frank Lampard's Everton. We got 60 seconds there before everyone went back down the pitch and scored, and then we had a torturous last three minutes plus an extended injury time. Crystal Palace, we kick-started that optimism. Ollie Watkins in the fifth minute, our striker up and running for the season. Palace equalised two minutes later. <laughs> and then we go down to Arsenal, and we score in the 74th minute. Douglas Louise rescues a regime. Two and a half minutes later, Martinelli puts the ball back in our net, and uh, I think I've added up now over the course of Five games for the season, five 90-minute periods. We have had just over seven minutes of hope and optimism in this season. <laughs> and it's over seven minutes. And this, this includes new season optimism before Bournemouth ran riot on us. This includes <laughs> trying to put Everton to the sword, trying to go ahead against Palace. We're not talking about big teams here. We've had seven minutes of a bit of purity and it's just been ripped from us every single time. Wow, another grim night to be an Aston Villa supporter. Yeah, and you left out a West Ham team that hadn't previously fucking scored as well. <laughs> Look, yeah, but at least at least in that game, like this is how bad it is. At least in that game, we had no joy. So- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look. Arsenal are good, right? Let's let's just get that off the table right now. Arsenal are a good team. Yeah. But obviously Steven Gerrard doesn't cut out for this because team is fucking rudderless and they're gutless. And both of those things are the responsibility of the manager. Managers are responsible for three basic functions. Get the best players you can, get the best out of those players, and give those players a game plan that sits under an overarching idea of how to play the game. I mean, you, you could argue that Gerrard has recruited well, I think you'd have to ignore the fact that Phil Coutinho has looked more like Phil Mitchell in the last couple of weeks. And the, <laughs> and the fact that there are at least two glaring holes in the squad that need to be filled. I, I think we've covered off repeatedly the fact that our, our game plans look like we're we're sat playing poker with our cards turned up on the table and the overarching framework is as solid as a fucking house of cards. But look, what was the plan tonight? It was hope. Hope Arsenal don't score when they inevitably get through repeatedly. And hope Watkins or Bailey can run the ball in from the halfway line. And the first half isn't worth analysing. It was so pathetic from our perspective. You'd be forgiven for thinking you tuned into an episode of Love Island, the level of desperation that was on display. (laughs) How how many episodes have we done now, Conan? Like a a hundred or something? Oh, I think it's 103. We missed our hundredth episode, by the way, because we're we're just just in this hurricane of shit. Take take out the seven euros episodes. This is the 96th time I'm going to say this. Hitting the ball in the general direction of Ollie Watkins isn't a game plan. (laughs) 
I, I also don't know how much I can trust these players though either. Like the manager should be able to motivate them. He should be getting more out of them. But but I don't know if they have it, Connor. I don't know if they if they want it, leaving the ball to each other, taking the easy option. By which I mean the wrong option, the stupid option. Not as hungry as the Arsenal players. Not as hungry as the Arsenal players. Mm. Like how many times did you see the Arsenal players completely wasting their time getting back for a Villa counter-attack? I mean, it was ridiculous. By the time Bailey got his head up, there were eight Arsenal players in their box. And the yeah. most annoying thing about that is when they won it back, which they obviously did because there was eight of them in the box, they just absolutely sliced through us. Where were our players in that case? Like They weren't in attack and they weren't in defence. If you're going to empty the midfield, if our fullbacks are going to gallop forward, even though they haven't been introduced to Bailey or Bundia yet, apparently, if you're going to do that, which I don't recommend, then at least flood the box. Like if we have no other plan to get through and it's only one pass to, to get past that fucking circle of respect we've created on the periphery of the game, <laughs> then at least get people into the box and just swing it in there because we're doing fuck all else. Yeah, and I think the the real disappointing thing is the overarching disappointing thing. If you go back two seasons ago when we beat Arsenal down there, I think it was a November game. Um, so, you know, early enough in the season, we beat Arsenal at the Emirates 3-0. And the team, team is not different to what it was tonight. It was the same back five, only Luca Dean instead of Matt Target. It was uh, John McGinn, and it was Douglas Louise in midfield. It was Grealish, Barkley, and Trezeguet off Watkins. You know, and this is two seasons ago, and we battered Arsenal twice that season. Finished 11th. We have not pushed on one bit, and we had foundations there. We, we had a, a good team then, or a decent team then. And it just feels like completely stagnated and, and obviously gone backwards over the course of those two seasons. And and all we're getting now is, is just people trying to tally up, like like our manager trying to tally up where he finished in his 27 games last season and you know, not taking into account where we are now in his last 20 games um, overall. And yeah, I just feel like we're not getting anywhere and we're ripping out our squad on the whims of a guy who might not be here in a few weeks. I, I don't know what the plan is here now. So this is this actually goes beyond Steven Gerrard now. I, I don't know where the joint up thinking is here because if we change the manager in a few weeks and we've just sold everybody in the squad or changed the team again and then tried to bring in a new manager who probably could have done with some of the players or he's left a bit more hamstrung with, with what's there. And we've done this for a vision of Steven Gerrard's which was never going to come through then... I, I, like somebody else, like Aston Villa should be going beyond who the manager charges, and it doesn't seem that anybody's sitting on top of it. Yeah, I, I think the one bit of reassurance we can have there is absolutely no doubt that a better manager will do a better job of this of this team of the squad of players that are there. There's there's no question of that. The squad of players is nineteenth, particularly when you look at the fixtures that we have. Three points from those five games is absolutely abhorrent. It's yeah. it's disgraceful. And we've talked about last week, we talked about last season as well. It's all bled through. This isn't this isn't new. This isn't a snap reaction to the first five games of the season. This has been shit consistently for a long time. But the players that are there are way better than this, and a better manager will get a lot more out of them. The fact that Steven Gerrard might be panicking and buying players he doesn't need buying players in position he doesn't need 
I, I th- somebody's going to take control of that. They're, they're not going to let it go mental. If we release Douglas Louise, that's because his contract's running out. That's not Steven Gerrard's decision. What it is, though, is Steven Gerrard's fault, probably. <laughs> Douglas Louise has been given no incentive to stick around. Maybe his head has been turned by bigger clubs, but that's also to do with Steven Gerrard not controlling it. The, you know, it all falls down to the manager, Chuck Wemmicka leaving. Yes, I called him an arsehole, but there's also a manager there that's supposed to manage that situation. Yeah. And Steven Gerrard has failed in both those counts in a really important position for the club as well. Yeah, well, let's talk about the goals tonight. Um, the first one, Gabriel Jesus. Like this, the bottom line here is I think it's a, it's a Martinez clanger, although he's not alone in the mistakes. Like there, I think there were three of them that could be having a finger pointed at them for it. Um, Martinelli just you mentioned this last week as well. He, he walks into that space. It's not it's not clever moving. And Martinelli is actually really good at moving. If you watch him, like he doesn't stop. He's always just jinking and jiving. This time he just walks into the big space that we've left at the right hand side of our defense. Um, Ramsey, Kanza, Kamara, they're all watching him, and the ball just gets rolled to Martinelli and. Kanza's probably standing off, but I think it's more on Ramsey anyway to get in there. Kanza should now go over once Ramsey's not getting in there. And he just hits it at the flex off Kanza. But there's enough enough space between Kanza and Martinez for Martinez to react to that properly. He parries it down. Tyrone Mings lets Jesus off. He, like, he doesn't seem interested in what Jesus might see. Like, I don't know... Even if he, he just thinks that Martinez is going to look after that, I don't know why he's not on red alert that Gabriel Jesus is still moving in there sharply. Like, why is he not following him toe for toe? He's just thought, yeah, well, our keeper should get that. Well, that's not what Jesus is thinking. He's thinking he might drop that and I'm going to be there when he does because this chump isn't going to follow me. And it's just a it's just a gift wrap goal for Arsenal. That like, who didn't need a gift wrap goal, they were going to score some way. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. I mean... But the real, well, apart from all the mistakes, the re- the really annoying thing is is to withstand the pressure where we were under for thirty minutes and then to concede that goal yeah. is grim. Like it's not like we didn't deserve it, like you said, but it was like surviving a plane crash and then jumping onto the evacuation slide before it's been fucking inflated. It was <laughs> so irritating. It starts off with Kamara, Ramsey, Konza, yeah, all making a pact to allow an Arsenal player to wander into the box. And on past experience, they probably thought it was grand. And sure enough, Konza could get there in time anyway, as they suspected. And yes, it takes the deflection. But it's also 12 yards away from Martinez when it deflects. It only deflects about six inches as well. (laughs) And the deflection takes the fucking power off it as well. (laughs) But for some reason, Martinez looks like he's trying to shovel water from a boat. Like, it's too late, Emmy. We're sinking. (laughs) Yeah, I think the thing that really annoyed me about that goal is we went in at half-time, haven't been completely bested yet again. Like Arsenal were by far on top, missed so many chances. Martinez had just made a good save before half-time. Um, and I was thinking, you know, Gerrard would be looking at this game. If that game finished there and then, and he was coming out for a press conference, he would be saying it was just a mistake that he can't legislate for, and we lacked a bit of imagination going forward. As if, <laughs> as if he can't control any of those things. Like, we're talking about those mistakes, right? But those mistakes happen when a team is getting sloppy and when there's a bit of slackness going through the whole operation. And those spaces, those gaps that we keep talking about happen when players aren't told where they have to be in every single situation. Like That, that looks simple to us. We're saying, 
Why isn't Ramsey going in there and filling that space? Why isn't Kanza stepping out? Why isn't Kamara going over and covering the danger? But they, they, these boys need to be walked through. Like, and it seems like they're not. It needs to be if the ball is here in this situation and Matt Cash is you know pulled away and there's that gap, here's how we fill it. And they just don't seem to have those automatic patterns that a well-coached team should have. Yeah, absolutely. You can see Kanza is pointing. He's telling Ramsey to go. And Ramsey is going out to Matt Cash because he is supposed to be out there as well, winding the winger. And then Kamara looks inside. Kanza's kind of half pointing. He seems to be saying that he's got it. Nobody knows, though. Nobody knows. And then they react, and they react too slow. Mings reacts too slow. They're all a mess. They're not clued in, and they're also just not hungry enough either. I mean... It's irritating to watch it, but did you see the fucking state of Gabrielle and Ramsdale high-fiving because Danny Ings fell over the ball? <laughs> yeah. Like, they wanted to keep Aston Villa out. That's what fucking defenders are supposed to do. They're supposed to be fucking mad for it. And Villa just don't have that hunger, that bite, that aggression. Don't get me wrong, I think Kanza and Mings did the best they could in the circumstances tonight. But it just wasn't there. So the team just isn't fighting for the ball. They're not closing down space. And they also don't know where they're fucking supposed to be closing down. So they are hamstrung. Yeah. Uh, the equaliser. So don't worry. I know you're probably feeling a little frustrated that we're pointing a half finger at Jacob Ramsey. But Jacob Ramsey is <laughs> a bit of credit. So we're going to give some credit for the equaliser because it starts with him just latching on to a brick. Arsenal tried to clear it. He just... Boom, controls his traps at dead in the halfway line and, and bang he bursts forward he has that Jacob Ramsey run and he gives it to Bailey Bailey gets it onto his right foot hits it over and a corner's given <laughs> <laughs> don't know why we've been given a corner there uh, Douglas Louise has just come on here we fucking go here we go Douglas Louise you can hit the top corner from the corner flag hits it off the first man um <laughs> Doesn't clear the first man. Still gets another corner, thankfully. So he gets another another bite at it. And then the second one goes into the bloody net. Uh, turns around to the crowd as if to say, yeah, well, what do you expect? Now, it definitely wasn't as good as the one against Bolton. A lot of praise has to go to Kamara. And a lot of the credit has to go to Aaron Ramsdale as well, who was treating Kamara like a, a boulder one down one of those Grand Canyon like, gaps, just blocking the whole thing. It was, uh, it was crazy stuff from Aaron Ramsdale. Yeah, and in the lead up to it, I was I was checking my stream to make sure I wasn't wa- I was watching the right game. I was sniffing my water for signs I'd been drugged. I was I was pinching myself to wake myself up from this glorious dream I was having because I knew I was supposed to be watching Villa play, not fantasizing about a world in which Leon Bailey knows there are two sides to a fullback. They're inside and they're outside, and it actually goes around the man. It's incredible. And it's a decent spank. It's probably blazing over, but Ramsdale probably thinks because he can reach it, it's no way it's higher than eight foot. <laughs> and and then from the from the corner, like the second corner, Arm Ramsdale <laughs> does what Arm Ramsdale does best, and Douglas Louise does what apparently Douglas Louise does best. <laughs> but it wasn't even a particularly good rendition of that set piece either. No. But luckily enough. Another human being on the football pitch is enough to best Aaron Ramsdale. Why was he giving Kamara a hug? <laughs> There's no way I can physically move him, so I'll try to seduce him, and then he'll be mine, and he'll do whatever I want. Was, it, was he trying to get up on his back to ride him out of the way? But he, but he just didn't have it in him to get up that high. And then the fucking the despairing, flailing arm afterwards. 
It's incredible. <laughs> Made it even more incredible by the fact that it was the fourth worst thing a goalkeeper did tonight. <laughs> yeah. The when they said VAR was checking and all you were seeing was replays of Ramsdale tr- trying to put his arm around his shoulder, I was like, who are they checking here? Are they looking to give Ramsdale a red card on top of the goal? <laughs> because Kamara is just standing there and that's enough for Ramsdale. It is pathetic that the other defenders as well didn't act. They just assume that's coming closer to the keeper. He should get it. It goes over to you, the defenders. You were on the near post. They could have they could have gotten there, I feel, if they if they if they were a bit more tuned in. But the in fairness, it only took them two and a half minutes to to tune back in. Um this goal was annoying as well. Like Matt Cash is backing off too much, so Martinelli's coming at him. I I know it's Martinelli, I know he's good with his feet, but like you're you're backing off right into the box. Now at some point it's better to engage, like even if you might get done. Uh, there, there comes a line where it's like, well, I better do something now, otherwise I'm just bringing him the whole way to the goal, so I keep backing off. And it just gives Martinelli all the space, time. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. In the word, to switch it across. Ball comes to Saka. And it gets switched back across. Now Matt Cash has backed off completely. Conte's <laughs> own goal line's completely forgotten about Martinelli, deserted him. And he's just put it away then, like all the time in the world now to, to finish it off. After after getting like, just getting an open invite to pick your pass there, go ahead, you'll be under no pressure. Now he's got just nothing but space to put that ball in the net. Yeah, yeah. Matt Cash doesn't do well, but I think... I think it's an absolutely gorgeous piece of play from Arsenal and you would say it deserved a goal if the finish wasn't terrible. And <laughs> and it's the type of goal you would say, well, sure, what can you do about that if the goalkeeping wasn't terrible as well? <laughs> I mean, like, what is Martinez playing at there? Like, this is this is all about Emmy Martinez. He looks like he's got a fucking fear of wasps and he's standing at the edge of a swimming pool. It was <laughs> pathetic. I, I, I can't believe how he... Well, he tried to jump into the... He could have just caught that ball. It was a really, really poor finish. It was straight at his head. And he completely panics and jumps into the air and slaps at the ball as if he's Arm Ramsdale. <laughs> and that was it, really. That was that was game over, Villa, when everyone had come back uh, from that. And like, once again, you know, did they 
Like, who looked like the team who were chasing that game towards the end? It was Arsenal. It was in Ketia. It was, you know, when five minutes went on the board. I feel like it was Arsenal fans cheering as if to say, come on, let's get another goal. <laughs> you know, Villa didn't show anything, any desperation. No, not even like knocked balls forward. Like, just, just try and, or let's take a bit of risk here to get forward. We'll, we'll talk a bit more. We'll talk loads more about Aston Villa and the setup. Um, I just wanted to do a quick mention at the top of the show. About Arsenal, so obviously they're a really good team, like you say. Um, <laughs> it's 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 a great atmosphere there now. Like it really is bouncing. Um, that was the same for the Fulham game at the weekend. The team, they all know what they're doing. Like complete contrast to to Aston Villa at the minute. They they do have a bit more bite and solidity behind them because I know like you know, we've often enjoyed you know just waiting for the collapse to happen. They they have a bit more backbone this season, I would say, and like they, they they've won five games, and and the thing is. People are pointing the finger saying, yeah, but look who they play, but they still won them. If you look at, say, Chelsea, they've lost their leads in Southampton. And if Arsenal had beaten those two teams in this five games, that would still be thrown at them, that they won five easy games. So, hmm. you know, you still have to go out and win these matches, and they are doing it. The only thing I wonder is, is Arteta a bit too emotional? Like, it's he's very frantic sometimes, and there seems to be a real nervous energy that just comes from him when, when they're not in the lead. Like as, as soon as a bit of time is passing and Arsenal aren't in the lead, I feel like he is just getting more and more panicky on the sideline. Not saying it, it affects his decisions and stuff like that, but I just feel like it affects the the general aura around the place. And you know when they're not dominating games, like that's going to be that's going to be interesting going forward. Because yes, it's it's a great start. They look better, but somewhere along the line, they're not going to be dominating games like they are against these teams or against Villa especially. They're going to be behind in a game. And will they be able to, like that's going to be their asset test now, will they be able to hang tight when they are being dominated or they are behind? Will they be able to recover? And most importantly, arrest a slide because obviously they've gone on bad runs before like and they've lasted too long. They're almost just a bit like Villa when you higher up the table like Villa, but they go on these terrible patches that just upend their season and that's going to be the thing though. Can they keep that consistent baseline and, and be a bit more of a mature team? Yeah, I, I was just thinking there, you've gone very early in saying that they, they've got a stronger backbone this year. I mean, let's just, this first five games of the season, that's exactly when you would expect somebody to look like they've got a stronger yeah. backbone. It's whenever things start to go wrong. It's whenever, things, whenever the pressure gets ramped up. The pressure might even just come in the form of the fact that they're top of the table. I don't know. I definitely think that Arteta being so emotionally involved in games I, I don't like it I would hate it I would hate to be playing under that I think it would it would spread nerves throughout the stadium because he's clearly nervous he's yeah. such a control freak that he, he he's nervous about what his players are going to do and that will eventually seep into their minds because they're so young as well yeah and also just because it will seep into anybody's mind their captain's 23 for fuck's sake <laughs> and even even Gabriel Jesus this winner that they've brought in that guy's an emotional wreck as well but there was one time before Teta where Matt Cash stole five yards from a throw one, still inside his own half, and Arteta's jumping up and down. He's like, mate, <laughs> fucking relax. <laughs> like, you're going to win this game. That, that Those five yards aren't going to make a fucking iota of difference to how this game turns out. Don't you worry about that, Bob. Let Matt Cash take the throw one from the corner flag. <laughs> yeah. That probably sums up the game as well. Like, uh, let us do whatever we want. We're not going to score. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and this is from a, a badly taken corner. <laughs> we might score then. Ah, that's unfair. It's a decent corner, and that's all we had to smile about tonight. But we'll park that there, and we'll go to WhatsApp. Just... 
a lot of fines to be handed out tonight. Uh, <laughs> this is a tough one for the players, actually, because it's a midweek game and we've already handed out week's wages fines. <laughs> <laughs> and we've got another game to come as well, three games this week, so it's going to be a bad month for them. But goal kicks where we end up further back than six yards out. And, <laughs> How often do we have to talk about this? Um, Emmy to Mings, and you know the cameras aren't even catching this whole thing because why? Why would they think this is going to be <laughs> this is going to be trouble for Aston Villa? They've got to go kick, but Emmy gives it to Mings. Mings give it back to him because they have space, and he ends up on the byline getting closed down. And it's like why? Why does this keep happening? How? How can we go? How can we regress physically from six yards out? It's fucking insane. <laughs> yeah uh, to be honest I think it's about time that this pair got caught out for their fucking dicking around so publicly as well I mean th- the worst thing about this is that everything about it is wrong <laughs> the, the, the pass the pass is slightly behind Mings yeah. and the pass back to Martinez is too late the press is already on and then Martinez decides to back heat it out of play as if that was a better option than lumping it. <laughs> like playing it into Kamara's feet was probably a better option than back it out of play. I would have just taken that risk. But but here it is. Like this is another microcosm, yet another microcosm. They're all adding up, Connor, to mm. the issues as a club. Like why why was the ball rolled to Mings? I don't, what, like, what, was, what, what was the next step? We I have no way out from the back. But th- this is what annoys me because. <laughs> in fairness to David De Gea at least he's trying to play it to his midfielder he's trying to give it to Ericsson so like, you can see what he's, he's trying to he's trying to move forward at least six yards with the ball we're trying to go back we're trying to go back behind our centre half he's behind the six yard line and then we're going back to the byline to, to do what we never go forward yeah and that's the, I, I don't even mean what's the point in giving it to Mings because he's standing there I mean what what's the plan here why are we giving it to Mings what is Mings doing next yeah, we like never the plan. The plan is to give it to Mings, and hopefully he can give it to somebody else. That's never fine. Like if you're a better team, you might get away with it. But playing against a team who are top of the table, playing against a pressing team, you can't be wishing your way out of the fucking corner flag. Yeah, and and if our if our game plan in the first half was to hit it long to bloody Watkins, then we might as well treat our goal kicks as an attack and set piece because <laughs> this isn't the fucking answer anyway. <laughs> Second fine uh, goes to John again for passing back without looking. How many times do we have to to say this about our midfielders? Like, I mean, I mean Hayes almost went straight through because of this. Um, and this was different. We'll talk about Kamara's in the what the fuck what the fuck award, but you know, Kamara's <laughs> he he looked like he was trying to do what he did when he gave it to Odegaard. Like he was looking at him. John McGinn's doing it blind. Like he's getting the ball midfield and just thinking, if I hit this hard enough back in the general direction of our defenders and keeper, that should be all right. And honestly, it should be a tactic for for opposition when, when Villa's midfielders have the ball. Just occupy the space in between the centre halves and in front of the goalkeeper. Because when our midfielders have the ball, and I'm including John McGinn here, you know, the dynamic, explosive, impressive John McGinn, they are just going to try and find that central area of our defence without looking. Yeah, and the worst thing about that through ball to Jesus was that there were two passes on inside, and again, this is another, this is just another problem of Aston Villa. John McGinn, our captain, refuses to play the ball forward. He refuses to play it into Kamara's feet. Ramsey's just a slightly advanced of Kamara as well. They were just inside the player John McGinn didn't want to try and pass the ball past. Instead, he'd rather play a fucking through ball to Jesus, Arsenal's most dangerous player. It was mad. 
I'm sorry, I'm saying that as if he did look. You're right, he didn't fucking look. That's a big problem as well. But there was one in the first, there was one earlier than that as well, where the ball gets played into McGinn's feet and a press from Arsenal that wouldn't get the fucking wrinkles out of a cotton shirt. And our <laughs> captain and centre midfielder doesn't want the ball to feet in centre mm. midfield. And he flicks the ball around the corner to a fucking figment of his imagination, a concept, a fucking vision of where a teammate could be if he played for a team. <laughs> it is mad, isn't it? You know, that fear that's spreading through the team. Like, it's, it, it seems very understandable, but... No, but can't, can't. if there's a fear riding through the team like that, your fucking captain puts his foot in the ball and he passes it around. He doesn't flick it down the line to the Arsenal right back. <laughs> but this is it, like... The thing is that these boys aren't being criticised and they're not losing for, for the most part, for, for mistakes that are happening. It's it's for everything else that's not happening. It's for the way they're playing it. They're, they're not doing anything with the ball and it's mad that, that they think it's safer to just keep doing this for 90 minutes, just keep rolling it around the periphery politely, like you know, not, not interrupting the other team's sleep. It's, it's, <laughs> it's crazy that they think this is a better option. Like That is what everybody's so fit, pissed off about. It's like... Very rarely, like here we're having a few moments like this, but very rarely are boys who are getting caught in the ball actually leading to goals and fucking up our season. It's everything else. It's all the gaps. It's it's all the lethargy. It's it's nobody doing anything, taking any responsibility. And our new captain as well. It's only five games in, and it looks like it's weighing on his shoulders so heavily. Another fine goes to Leon Bailey. Um... Although maybe he should be getting a bonus because I'll tell you what. <laughs> after twelve minutes, right? How many how many blocked crosses did Leon Bailey have when he tried to cut back in on his left? <laughs> <laughs> he, he had he had three block crosses after twelve minutes, and I thought, here we go, I'm gonna keep a fucking eye on this. And it never happened again. It didn't happen after twelve minutes. No, we probably didn't attack after twelve minutes either. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so in a way, it's like he, he stopped doing it. He stopped going down the right, trying to get back on his left and crossing into somebody who's blocking it. Um, but he did it far too often at the start. He did, yeah, he did. And then and then I'm sure there's going to be another fine meter out to him here now in a second for one time where he didn't go into his left either and he tried to roll the ball to Matty Cash and instead just rolled it to the advertising hoard. And <laughs> the, the worst thing with it, it was so bad that Matty Cash immediately pulls up and just turns around and starts running back. That's how bad the pass was. Like, Matty Cash didn't even bother chasing it. It was gone out of play before Matty Cash even knew the, knew the ball wasn't played to. Yeah, well, it actually brings us on nicely, too, because you probably have a bit of sympathy for why he's not trying to find Matt Cash. Matt Cash is also getting fined for this time... <laughs> shooting from the side of the box he's on the side of the 18 yard box literally on the line and he thinks he can have a spank with that of his right foot like it really shows a lack of i don't want to sound like gerard but this is a criticism of gerard (laughs) (laughs) there's a lack of imagination up there and when you look at mad cash having that shot it's it's bonkers right but Watkins is the only man inside well exactly slow enough attack you know like Villa had gotten control of the ball they worked it out to Bailey out to Cash there was time for loads of boys to get nobody gets in they all stand watching everybody just stands it's crazy they're all standing watching and they're all just immediately watching Arsenal attack afterwards as well that's what I'm saying it's fucking I don't know what they're doing I don't know where they are Cash got the ball in the corner of the box and he probably took the right option no point in crossing it we tried that <laughs> tried that for four games that was a waste of fucking time it's all he walked against three centre halves 
<laughs> fucking spank Aaron Ramsdale's in that. Yeah, I like it. and that's so true because Arsenal just immediately have seven, eight men back and we're not trying to crowd that out or trying to outnumber them because we're not bringing anybody forward. And then when they win the ball, they immediately have men over it as well. We're just standing in the middle of the pitch watching Arsenal running up and down the pitch. Uh, that's the end for the fines. The first WhatsApp range is, what the fuck is this Gerard quote? So he's talking about his time at Rangers. We built the club up from the floor and that took time. We we weren't on the floor when you came in, mate. <laughs> I feel like he's trying to just drag us down so then he can start taking credit for improving us. Like we we weren't there. We were like he was very quick to point out that we were sixteenth after eleven games last season. Yeah, like the manager got eleven games and sixteenth wasn't good enough. After five, we're nineteenth now. We weren't this slow until you came in and dragged us down here. Yeah, it's absolutely insane. And the reason the reason we got rid of the manager was because there wasn't the continuous was the words of the guy who sacked him. We didn't see the continuous improvement that we expect. Yeah. So what the fuck's he talking about? Where you have to show continuous improvement, Stevie, surely. Surely you're not getting a little fucking Bible from your mate, are you? Like this is ridiculous. We we have to improve. Saying we've dragged them up from the floor. Well drag us up somewhere. You've dragged us down. How can you possibly be using that as an excuse? We have to we have to build them up from such a low level. Well, fucking move up then, not down. <laughs> yeah, um, and I think the well, like it's all concerning anyway, but like it really puts it into sharp focus for you that we there's a very live possibility that Aston Villa could be bottom of the table by the end of the weekend. Um, like Villa playing Man City, so they're going to get hammered there and. Leicester have two games to try and get two more points than Aston Villa and we're going to be sitting holding the rest of the league up and our goal difference is going to keep taking a batter and it's you know there's Bournemouth now away on to four points <laughs> flying high and we can't pick up a fucking point for loving their money yeah it's alright well, Mika Richards come out and told us that Stephen Gerrard's a fighter so that should help us <laughs> alright I'm going to do one more WhatsApp wins then we're going to move on this isn't even Villa related because there's just too much to complain about and we are going to complain about them in the next uh, section but <laughs> is there a more pointless footballer than Rob Holton <laughs> what, what is this boy doing at Arsenal what is he what's he good at seems like a nice lad and he seems very happy to not be playing football he comes on the last three five minutes every game and I don't know exactly, he's that fast. He's, he's like Callum Chambers on steroids, when he's not on steroids because he seems a bit weaker. And Callum Chambers yeah. on Valium. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, he's just, he's just a grand... I, I, it just seems like he's at Arsenal because he was at Arsenal. You know, he is never getting signed by Arsenal in any <laughs> in, in any world. Like, you know, if, imagine, imagine Rob Holding right now playing for fucking Derby or somebody. He's not getting picked up by Arsenal, but he's just there. He's just there. Like he's coming on in all these games. It's weird. Has he not talked about this himself though? He, he seems to be the most contented human being in the world. He's like he's just he was just lying back in a sofa talking about the fact that ah yeah, that's my role, you know. The team needs me to come on the last couple of minutes just to dog it out. I guess that's the role I've kind of found for myself. Yeah. Maybe I should just be respecting him, like for building a great career for himself. <laughs> like it's a it's a great career option. Yeah, it's not one I'd like. No, it's not. 
Anyway, I'm trying to kick out at Arsenal. It's not going to work. We're going to get back into Aston Villa after this. You mean he's like a fucking excited dog? Doggy Louise. There's no point in all fucking three running over the ball. It's like someone, someone has to kick it. I honestly don't think Doggy knows what, what routine is being called. Doggy Louise. He was like a fucking excited dog. Like just, just happy to be there. McGinn and Bundia run over the ball and fucking Doggy comes bounding in. What, what are we doing guys? Running over the ball? Is it all? Oh, that looks like fun. Oh, you guys are the best. Do- Doggy should have spent the next 20 minutes licking his neck, snapping at his ankles, humping his leg. Like a good boy. That looks like fun. Oh, you guys are the best. No, where are you going? You're the last one. You have to hit it. That's a bad doggy. That's a bad doggy. All right, let's start with the Ronnie Rosenthal Award. We're going to call it the Bakayo Saka Award tonight because it's all Arsenal nominations, basically. Um, couple of Buendia chances. There's a really nice move at the start, back back in that moment where it was like, oh, maybe maybe we can for a couple of seconds get a bit hopeful about this Aston Villa team again. The ball's bouncing. Buendia puts it up over the top to Bailey. Bailey gets it to Ramsey. Ramsey drops a lovely one inside. When the is never going to get a clean contact on it, there's a lot of players around it, but it was a good move, and that was it, really. Um, okay, so the chances for <laughs> on this game. Um, Odegaard plays that free kick over the top. Look at Dean. Talk a bit more about him, the vitamin meter. He's sleeping. Matt Cash comes across to try and help him out. Hayes just blasts one off Martinez. Um, yeah, but we missed we missed the move, really. That We had to see the replay because we were watching replays of a shit Kamara tackle. I was like, these broadcasters are fucking idiots. There's a there's a good player who wants to work a bit of magic very quickly, and we're watching an inconsequential tackle. It's not even a bad tackle. Like we're just watching a mediocre, nothing mundane foul from our defensive midfielder. And meanwhile, the action's happening. Hey, this is through. Yeah, and it was it was a gorgeous piece of play that caught everybody out, and maybe a bit too harsh on Lucatini. It's, it's just a lovely, quick free kick. The touch is immaculate, and the shot is really good as well from that angle. Um, the really annoying thing from the broadcaster, from my perspective, was watching every fucking time Arsenal had an attack, and there was a replay of it. The camera came back to the live action, and it was just a fucking Arsenal centre half with the ball <laughs> at their feet. It was unbelievable. I don't think for the first thirty minutes I saw a Villa player touch the ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah Kanza had a nice sliding block on Gabriel um, I thought it had gone into the bottom corner was, yeah just look, one of those ones where the keeper was looking at it there was a big gap there and it just went wide and then there was another big chance Xhaka drives forward looked like he pushed Ramsey to the ground might have got pulled back if it had been a goal um, Martinelli gets it across for Saka like <laughs> lovely cross and I don't know we're talking about Saka this is obviously the winner there's a few more nominations but I don't know if Saka realizes there's an open net there because it's 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 weird. Like he just lets it hit off his foot as if people 
should be thankful that he was able to get something on it. It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> the, like, just kick it in there. Like, the best piece of advice you've ever given out in this podcast is <laughs> look at where you want to hit the ball and then hit it there. And he's just... <laughs> He's just literally stuck a leg out, and of course it's gone way wide. Like I don't think he realised that you had an open net there, mate. Yeah, the build up to that, yeah, JJ is brushed, brushed off far too easily off the ball, and then Arsenal are ruthless, and it's the perfect cross from an Arsenal perspective. It takes the entire Villa defence out, and it's a perfect finish from an Aston Villa perspective. Yeah, there were two more tame windy shots, and they're both. From Matt Cash, uh, broke forward. He slows up asking if anybody wants to join him. Do you remember that? Like, he actually had to stop <laughs> on the ball. <laughs> and then Bailey decided, oh, God, I better run here. But it's Buendia who ends up catching up and they play like a one, two, three. Buendia seems reluctant the whole while. They keep getting involved in this. And, uh, or actually, sorry, Buendia plays it back to Cash. He seems to want to get back. I assume there was an instruction on him to try and stay back a bit more tonight. But uh, just ends with a tame shot from Buendia. There's another cross from. Matt Cash Buendia doesn't get everything on it. Like that, that was that was it really from a Villa point of view. Um, Odegaard again just dinks a lovely one over the top. Jesus spins. Martinez breaks the ball away from Jesus. Saka falls into it. Like he's just falling over the ball. He's got another <laughs> open net, and Cash does well to clear on the line. Yeah, and that that one and maybe the one you were talking about just before the Saka miss as well. The one the Kanza blocked. It. They were just chaotic. It was just loads of Arsenal bodies in the Villa box. Limbs going everywhere. Shots that could have gone anywhere. It was a mess. And it was a mess. It was a mess because Villa were so incoherent in how they were trying to defend as mm. well. Fuck me. <laughs> and then I just wanted to mention the Martinelli shot because it was just, uh, imagine hitting that ball. It would have felt so good. Um, lovely knockdown from... Shaka, he gets his head on it, just tees it up perfectly for Martinelli, who oh, just gets a lovely back lift on it outside the boot, and it's a it's a great save by Emmy Martinez. Yeah, it's a lovely spank. Uh, probably flies in and training for him, but Emmy Martinez is a real goalkeeper. <laughs> uh, Saka is the winner. Pick 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 whatever one you want. Uh, two open nets. He should have scored both of them. <laughs> uh, Peter Enkelman what the fuck award another big chance for Arsenal really just trying to split these up over the awards category <laughs> <laughs> Kamara plays a, a Douglas Louise-esque three ball to Odegaard I feel like Mings gets spitzed out of it a little bit by Jesus you know he's sort of blinded by him Jesus is really strong anyway but he gets pushed off the ball far too easily in our box as well um, Martinez gets a good hand on Jesus's low cross across the box, and then Kanza and Martinez don't want to touch it. So like this starts off with Kamara being nominated for a what the fuck award, and now Kanza and Martinez both being very polite. You know, you take you take just somebody fucking do something, and then Mings gets that big spider body of his just spread out, and he blocks it, and he stands up. And I thought initially he was giving out to everybody, which I thought was ironic because he just got pushed away by Jesus. <laughs> But also that he should be giving out to those two for nobody being decisive. But he's actually just celebrating. He loves it. But it's like, that's like the way you're saying about Gabrielle and Sally, brother. This wasn't the time for you to be saying, like, we should not have been in this position. We shouldn't have needed you to produce the tentacles. Like, there, there's, you know, there, there was no need for us from our midfielder having the ball to then our keeper and centre back having the ball for you to have to spread yourself across and block an all or open net. Yeah, it's an absolute, it's a what the fuck bonanza. I mean, Kamara, 
Kamara looks like he's checking if he has a bit of shit in the side of his shoe, and the ball just happened to be there, and he flicks it away. And like it was the most pathetic attempt at a pass I've ever seen in my life. Mings could probably go out and clean the man. He decides not to. Fine, we'll let him away with that. But Jesus Christ, Conan, he should be crucified for being outmuscled by Jesus, who is strong, but he weighs about the same as Tyrone Mings' thigh. <laughs> it's a good save for Martinez. But what in the name of God is Conzat half leaving it? Yeah. Like if you're not sure what to do, pick one thing yeah. and pick the most aggressive one. Like if you break Martinez's hand, that shite in the long run probably would have done us a fucking favor tonight, though. <laughs> um, there was a Buendia one and another night that would have been another more fun night. We could have had more fun with it. He was coming in the defender from the right hand side and he just fell over the ball into the defender's legs. It was really weird looking at us. Uh, the John McGinn passed back to Jesus that we mentioned. And then I suppose it's just a case of picking out who you thought was most to blame for the first goal. And I think I know it's Martinez from me, but like Ramsey could be there, Kanza could be there, Mings could be there for falling asleep. Like, Martinez looks like a child on the beach. Like, what is he doing with his hands there? I mean, there's nothing on the ball. It hasn't. It's deflected slightly to his right. <laughs> Just fucking catch the ball. Why are you shoveling it away? Yeah. It's pathetic. It's definitely Martinez. And that was the biggest cock up of the night. Yeah, Martinez wins the Peter Enkelman What the Fuck Award. The Ashley Westwood, oh, he was playing award. Uh, John McGinn. Yeah, he's coming off again. Um, inconsequential in the middle again. I think the big, uh, I ironically had put down a, a nomination for the Tim Sherwood. We played two number 10s and bamboozled them award, and it was playing John McGinn on the left of midfield again. Wow, like, you know, what a. Well, what a way to get this boy firing. Like it didn't work against West Ham. It definitely didn't work tonight again. Just another game. It seemed to drift by him. Um, I'll just give you the other two nominations. But Matt Cash is one of them. But you know, he did set up one for a couple of half chances. So maybe that's a bit hardship. Probably the higher bar for him. And then Danny Ings. I know he only came on. But I was just... <laughs> I just remembered... Danny Ings played against West Ham. So I think this is a this is a more of a late nomination for him. For I do not remember him in that game one bit, and he comes on tonight, and all I can remember is him, you know, getting pushed over by Gabriel. <laughs> John McGinn is is undoubtedly the winner. I mean, it was an absolutely bonkers performance from him. I mean, he wasn't he wasn't involved in the play, the very little play that we had on the ball. He just did like did he have the ball for Aston Villa apart from whenever he kicked it away twice. And he, he wasn't involved in defence either. I, I think there's a larger problem there, and it's Stephen Gerrard's fault as well. And he's tried this with the two number 10s before. So he's played McGinn and Ramsey on those sides because he wants them to defend against the fullbacks or wingers for Arsenal. But the way he set the team up like that, it leaves him so fucking open you wouldn't believe it. Yeah. Because that requires the two number 10s. And one of them is Leon Bailey and the other one is Emiliano Buendia. <laughs> It requires them to drop into centre midfield either side of Kamara because the two other midfielders have gone wide. It's fucking insanity. So essentially what you've done is you've put two players who don't know how to defend against wingers out defending against wingers and you've left Kamara to defend against three Arsenal attacking midfielders. <laughs> it's fucking insanity. And he's tried this before. He tried it whenever he first got the job. It doesn't fucking work. And he tried that as well whenever it was two number 10s he was playing there. Well, that's a good case for John McGinn winning this award. <laughs> the Emmy Martin is, is Ronaldo not hitting it? Shithousery award? 
sad that this has come to a sarcastic nomination, but <laughs> such is Aston Villa at the minute. And like, you know, it's it's sad that it's coming the sarcasm is coming down on Emmy Martin as the proper shit house, the, the man that we've all fallen in love with. And now we're wondering what the fuck was he doing? Like Emmy Martinez is the the winner of the ironic shithousery award this week. It's not normally an ironic award if anybody does listen regularly. When times are good, we'll be celebrating stuff like this. Don't worry. <laughs> Martin oh, is getting. We'll not, we'll not be celebrating stuff like this, Colin. <laughs> Martin is getting Gabriel Hayes in a headlock, and then and then diving. What was he doing? It was absolutely pathetic. I mean, everything about it. Getting him in a headlock, pathetic screaming at the ref pathetic falling to the ground pathetic doing those three things in that order was fucking pathetic as well you've already if you're gonna dive at least try to be clever about it you cheating cunt you've already <laughs> you've drawn the ref's attention to yourself by screaming once you've got gabriel jesus in a headlock you've screamed at the ref ref's looking at you now and then you fall to the ground like a fucking loser you're getting booed all game because you've been moving off about this football club before you need to come into this game with a fucking clear head with focus, block out the distractions, focus on your footwork, whatever it is that sharpens your mind, because it's gone to fucking jelly. <laughs> yeah, bad, bad night for Emmy Martin is, and a bad place for him personally to do it, but it doesn't matter. Anyway, I'm <laughs> you like Glenn Whelan taking an idea of a penalty award. I've got a nomination for you because you wanted Douglas Louise offset pieces. <laughs> Do you want me? Do you want to sink me along with you? Yeah, we we'll sank both of us there. Yeah. I mean, sorry, Conan. To be fair, now last week we did nominate the nominate this for a whatever the shit we played two number tens and bamboos. No, it was <laughs> a Glenn Award. It was a Glenn Miller Award. We nominated this for a Glenn. We were taking him off set pieces last week. <laughs> we covered <laughs> ourselves. We already covered this last week. We're fine. That's right. Whoever took Douglas Louise off set pieces last week gets uh, gets nominated for this in retrospect. Um, again, like yeah, in, in the interest of trying to keep everything fresh, like we could fall down the same territory we've covered over the last sixteen games now. But um, you know, for example, just uh, we play a four three one two and that doesn't work, and then we go to a four three two one and that doesn't work, and we go to a four three one. That's literally what's happened in the last three games. Like we we played this exact team against Crystal Palace and it was terrible so we, we went back to the Diamond against West Ham and, and that was shit and then we went back to this team and it was terrible so expected to go back to the Diamond again now next next Sunday but um, yeah so we're not going to talk about formations or, or whatever else I want to talk about the morale in the camp because it, it, it does seem a bit f- I'm not going to say fractured because I'm obviously not privy to what's happening inside the changing rooms but so it just doesn't seem like a good vibe around the place, does it? It doesn't seem fun. Nobody seems to be enjoying themselves. Everybody seems pretty happy to get the hell out of there now. Um, a lot of people are looking to do that. Gerard's talking too often about players who aren't happy with the game time. That's again, that stuff has to be managed. Like, you know, you have to try and keep these people happy and keep them interested. And, you know, maybe don't play a full strength team against Bolton <laughs> <laughs> in the middle of the week. Um, but then I was going to say it comes to a head, but you get an example of Marvis Nakama then liking a tweet. So it's a tweet from Ty Bracey, who just put out a picture of Morgan Sanson. I don't think you like this uh, sentiment from Ty, but uh, puts out a picture of Morgan Sanson, and the caption is "Justice for Sanson," and it's it's liked by Marvis Nakama. So we, you know, 
there you are. There's another example of a, a bench player not playing, and there's a fan saying justice for him. And then there's an example of another bench player liking the campaign for the bench player to get more game time. And I just feel like this stuff doesn't happen in a camp that's happier. And oh, it, it all just seems very lifeless there. And I feel like, I don't know about you, but I feel like we're offloading so many players, we're going to end up with just about 12 people, who, and most of them probably don't want to be there. <laughs> Yeah, well, like, I mean, the tweet just requested for justice for Sanson. Nakamba just liked the tweet. We don't know what justice Nakamba feels should be meted out for Sanson. <laughs> for, for all we know, Nakamba might think that the ostracization of Sanson doesn't go far enough for his crimes against football. Nakamba might be calling for a harsher punishment. We don't even know... We don't even know how Nakamba read those three words. He might he might not have read it as a request or a demand, a, a call, a call for future action. He might have read it as a statement that what we are currently seeing is in fact justice for Sanson's performances on the pitch for Aston Villa. He might even read it as Ty Bracey imploring that Aston Villa fans are given justice for Sanson being foisted on us. We don't we don't know what's inside Nakamba's Nakamba's mind. And to be honest. I think they're all more likely than Marvis Nakamba holding the belief that Morgan Sanson deserves to be starting for Aston Villa. I mean, <laughs> I, I assume Nakamba has seen him play. He's had 60 good minutes for Villa that ended with a monumental cock-up. I mean, if Sanson is good, and we've been given no reason to think that he is, if Sanson is good, you'd have to be worried about his desire, his appetite, his fight. I mean, if he can't get more game time than somebody who was 19 whenever he joined the club, and is now almost 20 last season. <laughs> like, regardless of how good I think JG is, he was 20 during all of last season and played with the level of consistency you'd expect from a 20-year-old centre midfielder. Hmm. John McGinn, who plays with the consistency of a 27-year-old who isn't that good at football. And <laughs> Douglas Louise, who plays with the consistency of a fucking daydreaming basset hound. I mean, <laughs> and I know managers have their favourites, and I know Sanson has had injuries. But he started six Premier League games in a season and a half with those players ahead of him. Morgan Sanson is at least partly to blame for that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a Leon Bailey syndrome. He's not playing, so you know, his stock's going up. But you know, we're all going from game to game. It's getting worse and worse. So we just say, right, who, who else is it? Are you? Let's try him. But after a while, we have to just accept that it's not a case of dipping deeper and deeper and deeper into the squad to find the answers. Maybe the answer lies somewhere else. Like a change. Um, a, a nomination for you, like Glenn Whedon, take a 90-minute penalty award, probably goes to, I don't know, Perslow, the hierarchy, because surely they knew, right, we'd lose to Arsenal and City anyway. So this is what I'm thinking. Like people have been texting me, being like, oh, is Gerard going to go, especially after these two games? But I'm like, well, Taking an isolation, <laughs> it's very understandable to lose these matches. Even if everything was going really well with Villa and we lost these two matches, you know, you wouldn't bat an eyelid normally. But so I wonder, are they willing to look beyond this now? And like, will will some part of of Perslow's you know desire for Steven Gerrard see tonight and be like, well, it was only two one, and you know there were mistakes <laughs> and we were lacking imagination in the attack. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, we're going to lose the Man City. Surely he knows that as well. So I just feel like they are going to let this drift on a bit longer than probably needs to. Yeah, he probably is. But again, as well, a new manager will probably lose these games as well. So they're probably just thinking, why not? They're probably 
deeper, more structural problems as well that you'd be worried about about personal as well. Like you know, who's making decisions about who we're signing? And if it's Stephen Gerrard, stop that immediately. But also, whoever is making decisions, start making some decisions because we have essentially spent no money since Greedy's left. I, I think we sell Dougie. We're actually in profit from the last three transfer windows. Yeah, let's get real. The squad at the beginning of the 2021-22 season wasn't good enough and the team isn't managed well enough for it to have no injection of cash and expect us to match the stated ambition and vision of the owners. And I emphasize stated because other than a set of concept drawings to upgrade the North Stand, very little has been delivered. And if we want to be the 7th for 8th best club in the league, and I don't mean finishing 7th for 8th because... Things can happen to derail the season and things can happen to propel a team up the league. I mean, being the team that people expect to finish in the top eight, then we need at least two or three players and we need someone to manage them as well. And even even if you look at the the 100 million for Grealish, I mean, we signed Ings, Bundia and Bailey. Ings doesn't score, Bundia doesn't play and Bailey doesn't exist. He's a myth. <laughs> we, like we, we still need an attacker of real quality and it shows you... It actually shows you how impactful he's been this year that I've left Coutinho in that conversation there. Like John McGinn needs upgrading more than I can upgrade him more than I can articulate. The club's the club's being run by a bunch of technophobes and they're so terrified that they don't even click the install update and an update prompt on our midfield has been malfunctioning since we got promoted. I mean, I was looking forward to Douglas Louise starting games for Aston Villa. That's how desperate this year was getting. Yeah, but it, but instead of going after players in those two positions or letting Douglas Louise or Carney Chukwemeka battle with McGinn, we have our manager constantly talking about the fact that he needs four centre-backs. You have four centre-backs, Stephen. One <laughs> of them is injured, but that's why you have four. Yeah. So if one of them gets injured, you can replace him. Like, I'm not sure why he's so insistent on having four if his approach is to sign a new one every time one isn't available. You can just have two and replace them as need arises. Yeah, he's completely distracted, and it, well, it's probably more down to the fact that his he thinks that if I can get the right player and drop him in there, then that that's it solved. Like if I can drop the right centre back in there, then defensive problems, defensive issues, great. That that's that boxed off, and now we can just ask continue to have a bit of imagination going forward, and like, <laughs> I'll sit back and, and watch this happen. And like it is, like I saw um, Greg Evans from the Athletic tweeting, saying it's going to be a busy day tomorrow. You know, Douglas Louise could go. We could be signing fucking Bednarak or whoever. And I'm like, who is okay in this stuff when we've currently got a manager who's taking us to 19th in the league? Why, why, why would we be making such long term decisions? I mean, long term decisions. You've already talked about Douglas Louise, I suppose, like, you know, and the contract issue there. But we're, we're, we're really. I think, look, I'm going over old ground here now, but we have a manager who's making long term decisions or at least okay in them. And he might not be there past the short term. Yeah, we're losing a player in a position that we need a player in, and we're signing one in a position we don't need a player in. Like <laughs> it's it's absolutely insane. Like this shouldn't be allowed to be happening. And of worst case scenario, if you know another centre half gets injured, then you can recall house. You can play Kamara at centre half. These things happen. You can't just make sure you've got four centre halves at all time. Like I said, that's the point of having four centre halves that people can get injured. Yeah, maybe maybe his plan is just to play all four at once. That'll be the new the new shape that we can work <laughs> with. Uh, the Vyman meter, um, 
I don't think it'll hurt to put anybody up really. Uh, going down, I mean, Martin is definitely. Um, going down, look at Dean. Like he was just sliding all over the ground. Like it was like Bambi on ice tonight. He was just oh, constantly horizontal, constantly taking boys off their feet. Like very rash. I just didn't trust him tonight. He felt like he was going to give away a penalty at any stage. Yeah, look at Dean. hasn't had a hasn't had a good season. He he's, he started the year really really badly, and tonight was absolutely emblematic of that. He was he was a mess. He was he was all at sea again. Very fucking difficult as well because, like I said, it John McGinn, and I'm not having to go John McGinn here. There's plenty of other things we can have a go at him for. He can't defend against wingers and fullbacks. He doesn't know how to do it. So look at Dean is on his own essentially out there. Yeah, and Arsenal, like I said, are really good as well. You can't be affording to leave any of your defenders on their own without a game plan, without a structure, and without help from somebody who knows how to defend. Going down, jump again. Um, yeah, like look, there's no point really going down the black jerseys. I think um, like that's. <laughs> They're not great looking, but it's also just an all jersey now that we know doesn't work. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anybody else you feel strongly about or any other thing that should be going up or down? No, I, I think so. Emmy Martinez was the, was the huge, the huge problem this week, uh, apart from the manager. But sure, we can't put Stephen Gerrard down any further, can we? No, I don't think so. Um, questions we can't answer, but probably will. Surely having Amwar El Ghazi lying around was worth more to us than the two million we're going to get for selling him, <laughs> especially for a squad. Like I'm talking about long term decisions. There, we have one wide player left, and we've got a wide player in the Bailey who doesn't want to be there, or his agent definitely doesn't want him to be there because world class like ekes out of his every move, as we know from Craig Butler's words. You know, so he thinks that he's he's better than Aston Villa, especially in Aston Villa who doesn't play wide players. But all this stuff is being approved because like, and we're shedding every single player with a bit of width. And we're doing it because we currently have a manager who's traumatised that he had to play out wide for Liverpool under Rafa Benitez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, like, of course it would have been better to have El Ghazi sticking around, particularly like you say, when you realise that we have Leon Bailey as our only player who is considered a winger, and my choice of language there was intentional. And, <laughs> and when you said he doesn't want to be there, I thought you were talking about on the wing. It's bad. <laughs> bad enough, he doesn't want to be at the club, he also doesn't want to be in that position, despite what his stepdad says. Uh, yeah, of course El Ghazi would have been better off sticking around or would have been better for us and he definitely would have been worth more to us than sitting on the Everton bench last year while Bertrand Rory snood sat in ours <laughs> El Ghazi as frustrating as he was he's had some huge moments for Villa and he scored some amazing goals all of which contributed to the frustration he also caused yeah. for being honest because we knew how good he could be and he always, he always had decent numbers he leaves the club with a 100% record from the penalty spot Oh. And most important, obviously, getting his neck on the end of Elmo's cross at Wembley. Yeah, well, I hope, like, yeah, he leaves the club, but he's still in football, still with a 100% record from the penalty spot. It's it's fucking incredible. Like, we talked about it before. There's confidence, and then there's Amwell Gazi from 12 yards out on the penalty spot. And, like, will there ever, ever be another player who will be in the same season, be compared to Cristiano Ronaldo twice? And... <laughs> 
a streak of shit on a toilet bowl. <laughs> <laughs> like, say what you want. Yeah, like, like as he was frustrating and he was lovable and he was podcast gold because he just gave you every single emotion when he turned up. I remember he did it last year against Brentford when we drew it home. It was fucking amazing. Just when he peacocked, when he knew he was class, <laughs> they're saying he was unstoppable. You know, he, he was sometimes and then fucking hell just all the times he couldn't control the ball it was crazy yeah dare you say it again Conan he was as good as Cristiano Ronaldo <laughs> uh, last one uh, question we can't answer but probably will can you imagine can you imagine the talk sport meltdown when Lampard and Gerrard join Parker on the scrap heap <laughs> I mean they're not liking this like you know they're, they're a proper English football man who's just been mistreated by Bournemouth um, they had it just taken time to read the statement they would have seen that it was a bit more mutual than maybe they like to, to make out uh, this, this is the thing though because a lot of people have, have cottoned on to the the Top Gun style cardigan that he was wearing but the thing is it wasn't just a cardigan was it? It was like he started off with a blazer, the same type of blazer, and then he had a cardigan version of it as well. Like this, this is the Scott Parker that I'll remember at Bournemouth. <laughs> yeah, for, from from Bournemouth's perspective, I can understand why they got rid of him. I mean, the cardigan and the blazer are in the round bad for the brand. I mean, it was causing huge reputational damage. Nah, I'm only joking. Um, <laughs> seriously, the. the the board, the board had a meeting with the person whose job it was to keep them, keep them in the in the league, and that meeting ended with him saying, "I can't keep this team in the league. It would be madness for them to keep keep him in charge." Was probably madder, and I'm not about to start talking about Scott's sartorial stupidity. In case you're getting excited, there, <laughs> what's what's probably matter still is the Bournemouth board's decision to embark on a Premier League campaign with a Championship level squad. Yeah, and maybe they should have listened to Scott Parker. Because, you know, we've seen how this works out. Norwich try it every time they come up. It doesn't work out. <laughs> but look, it's it's great for Parker, obviously, as well. Because he'll get another crack in the Premier League. He'll probably end up with the Everton job. And had he stayed at Bournemouth, he would have had three relegations in four and a half seasons in a CV. So... <laughs> Yeah, but it puts the, the English football manager into a perilous position now. And, you know, I just started thinking about Eddie Howe there tonight, looking at that Newcastle game and the late goal scored by Carvalho and Anfield. And like the referee, by the way, striking a blow for for victims of time wasting everywhere because, you know, he played more time than should have been added on. Like, even with the like you know, time wasting and injury time there's five minutes added on Carvalho scored in 98 minutes a lot of it should have been added on but uh it felt like he was sort of you know sticking two fingers up in Newcastle like you know this is what you get like they're going to get another attack and I'm going to wait for them to finally go forward like the Alfred crowd were getting frustrated as well but then <laughs> I was thinking Jesus there's some fucking buzz around Newcastle right? that so that's good right you know that from an Eddie Howe point of view he's built that and he's, he's gotten that connection there and they're all behind and there is a buzz generated. They've also only won one game. He's won as many games as Steven Gerrard this season and that was the first <laughs> game of the season against newly promoted Nottingham Forest at home. They haven't won a game since and Jesus, party time up there. They drew three, like their three matches after that game and then they've lost to, to Liverpool. They're definitely, like the wheels haven't come off as much as they have at Aston Villa and they're all fighting for the cause and they're well set up and stuff like that but 
you have to start getting points on the board as well. They're behind Brentford at the minute. Well, they are getting points on the board. They got three draws in those games. I think you're, you're forgetting <laughs> how fucking how, how much you yearn for a draw at this fucking football club work currently. And like the. This is, the, this is the classic thing about stats, isn't it? I mean, you're saying they've only won one game. The other way you could say it is like, they've only lost to Liverpool. Yeah. They've only, yeah. they've only lost to the best team in Europe this season. I mean, it's very, very easy to spin these things. The reality is for Eddie Howe, though there's a lot of really, really top-class managers that will be available this year um, and are currently available as well, that you know the Newcastle board could just pull the trigger on that. You know, It's not like they're going to be looking long term it's not like they're completely bought into Eddie Howe they, they'll just go for the next the next sweet thing that they see yeah whenever they get bored I suppose um, yeah speaking of which I hope you made it to the end of another podcast where we've been <laughs> <laughs> covering the same old ground uh, trying to keep it a bit different um, yeah thanks a million for listening please share it on please subscribe if you haven't already on whatever app that you do listen we'll be back on Saturday Man City, um, I think I said it before the West Ham game, before the Arsenal game. I have a feeling how that game's going to go. Uh, we'll chat to you on Saturday night. Thanks again for listening. And again, one more plea please subscribe or share it on if you can. Thank you and see you Saturday. All the best. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.